give him some praise today. How are you guys? Everybody good? Happy Sunday. Um, I was just thinking, and we do this song a lot, but um, I was just thinking because it's a new year, so when I'm singing it, like when you're singing and you're worshiping, think of the words that you're singing and think of like this is your conversation between you and God. This is your time to enter in in your own way and to just tell him like, God, I, I want what you want. And so it just says like, I want to know your heart.
that we believe that as we encounter Jesus, that he's calling us to one another, that he's calling us to become family, that we're not just uh, alone, just, just doing our thing, we, that we are, we are stronger together, that your, your faith is not just a personal relationship with God. I know we've been told that forever, but it is a communal family relationship with God. And as we live and move and like do things together, dream together, it makes life so much better because that's how God made us. That's how God made you. And so if you take people out of the equation of your purpose, there's no purpose. It's just, you're just doing something for yourself and you'll get there and I'm telling you still you'll still be searching because there's more because we're built to, to do life in community with one another and life with friendships and family and then we move on and then we discover the purpose that God has put in each and every one of us I believe that there's a gift in all of us that you are made here to live out to live out don't hold back don't hold back because some of us have been hurt in the past don't hold back your life because of a past offense, and this is what we're going to talk about. It's called Shake It Off today. Don't hold back your life because of something that happened. That's, then you're, you're putting all your weight on one thing and not moving forward and saying that dictates, that, that is the identity of my life. Your identification does not come from something that even happened in the past. Maybe it even happened yesterday. Your identity comes from Christ. And you're made in the image of God. And the callings and the gifts of God are irrevocable in your life. They will never go away. It will, it will, the purposes of God will never go away until you embrace it, until you go after it. So I, I ask you, we just like, let's risk together. Let's, let's do this life together. As the uh, guys come forward uh, in, in our giving, in our living, uh, we're going to give and just out of obedience. It's a, it's a, a part of our worship. And uh, it's crazy that Jesus talked about money more than anything else um, just because he knew that it, it takes control of our lives. It takes control of our lives. And, and as we give, as we release, I pray that you, we, we be ones that release. Don't let anything have control of your life. And even if it's like a half a percent a year, just set something up so that you can see God live in just increments if you need to. Whatever you need to do. But I pray that we just release to God what is God's. And, uh, and let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, as people give and as people live, Lord God, as we serve, I pray that we be all in, God. We hold nothing back from our lives from you, Lord God. You have access to every bit of it, Lord God. And the way we move is we ask you, what do you want us to do? We ask you, how do you want to work through this, God? And as you speak to us, Lord God, as you give us a little bit of revelation, as you give us, speak to us a little bit, we just move forward a little bit in obedience to you. I pray that Hill City family or Hill City Church family, that we be one of faith in obedience to Christ. We're not just church attenders, Lord God. We are the church of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for your giving. This works. Talk amongst yourselves as I fix this. Uh, topic, uh, Green Bay Packers. Oh, there's some Packers jerseys in here. Uh, yeah, Eric Rogers, Dallas Cowboys. All right. Brock Osweiler? No. Three interceptions and a half? It's awesome. Right? The one of them was a big side. Yeah, I, I like Brock Osweiler. 
It's probably because I'm a 49er fan, Hate though. It. Yeah, last place in the division. Last place in the NFL, almost. It's the Browns. No one likes the Browns. I'm sorry if you're from Cleveland. I apologize. Uh, but we're going to go into this thing. Say, shake it off. Man. Thank you. You know, play is going to play. Hate is going to hate. No, I'm just kidding. That's not in the Bible. Maybe it's in the Bible. But more than anything, we, we are in this series called Meet Jesus. And, 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 and this message is called Shake It Off. And for, for, for weeks now, I, I believe we're on like message like 15 in the book of Mark. If you're new to faith or you're restarting, you haven't been to church for a while, this is a perfect series to start. Get on our Facebook or get on our video page and just watch this. Understanding who Jesus is. Relearning what it means to follow Jesus. Because I believe church cannot be just, just us just uh, consuming information. There's a way to follow Jesus that's important. And for some of us, we need to push the reset button on what faith is. We really do. And we need to and do what Jesus did. And this is a great place to start. You can go on myhillcity.org or you can go on our app. We're actually launching a new app whenever Apple tells us we have been approved, right? It's going to be, it's going to come anytime. Uh, but on there, you guys can go and watch the streams or you can watch the videos. But more than anything, I want you to get to know Jesus. He is the focus of the whole Bible. The Old Testament, New Testament, everything is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And everything that happened in history, everything that happens in my life, it's all about Jesus. He's the key to it all. And I hope that as we go and we learn about who Jesus is, it impacts your world view and how you live out your faith. So uh, we're going, and we're going to go right to this thing called Shake It Off. I'm going to have Brian come up, and he's going to read a couple verses for me. Please turn to the book of Mark, chapter 6. Right. We'll celebrate the Word of God, so we're going to try it one more time, because that was a bad celebration. That was like a Brock Osweiler touchdown, all right? All right. Well, please turn to Mark, chapter 6. Mark 6, 1 through 13. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went, um, went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet so as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's God's word. Amen. That's God's word. We love the word of God because we believe it brings life. 
and we're going to jump right into this teaching. The key word of this whole thing is the word offended. Say offended. Have you ever been offended? Offended. It says in this, in this chapter, it's, it's the, the people heard about Jesus and they were deeply offended. They were mad. They're mad. And in the Greek word, or the Koine Greek, the word offended is the word scandalon. Scandalon. And we get the word scandal, right? Scan that's scandalous. That's what they were saying about Jesus. To be offended or scandalized. This is more than a hurt feeling or a disagreement. But there's hostility. You're mad. There's hostility in your heart. You're outraged of what Jesus was saying, who he was, and what he did. So today, I have one point for you. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a wonderful, happy point. I think I'm on this happy thing. But Jesus offends everybody. That's right. Jesus offends everyone. You're like, thanks, John. This is great. Fantastic. I'm glad that this will change my life. And I'm telling you, it will as we accept this. He brings out hostility and rejection at, from everyone at some point. You too... If you follow Jesus long enough, we'll be offended. And if you haven't already been, right? So J.P. Meyer, he's a theologian. He wrote, what is beyond dispute is that the ministry of two or three years, Jesus attracted and infuriated his contemporary, mesmerized and alienated the ancient world, unleashed a movement that has done the same ever since, and thus changed the course of history forever. And what he's saying is, unless we understand the offensiveness of Jesus, we won't truly understand who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. So we're going to jump into our text right here. And it's pretty, and it seems pretty normal about Jesus going to his hometown, people not believing. But uh, we're going to jump deep in, right? Now Jesus comes to his hometown. He begins to teach at the local like temple or the local religious gathering place with his disciples. And it says, many who heard it were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? And then they get all bipolar on him. And verse 3, and say, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, which has lots of implications that we might not get into. The brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon, isn't his sisters with us here right now? And they took offense at him. And we know from past chapters, Jesus offended the religious leaders. And then he offended the political leaders. Then he offended the rich elite. And here, and so he offends the right and the left politically. This is how Jesus rolls, right? You think Jesus is a Republican. No, he offends both sides of the party. Jesus is a Democrat. No, he offends both sides of the political spectrum. And now he, he, here he is in Nazareth, a blue-collared town, simple, humble people, and they're offended too. So these people, these, these people from Nazareth, they don't get along with all these other people, right? They hate each other, yet they're all offended by Jesus. But why? Because Jesus offends everyone in very different ways. And in this room, he's going to offend you in very different ways. But it's a good thing. You'll see. You'll see. We're not done yet. Don't leave yet, all right? 
Here, uh, let me give you an example. In Denver, people in Denver today, our Western culture, people like the parts of Jesus. His social justice, they're like, oh, that's Jesus. His love and forgiveness, they're like, that's Jesus. His grace and freedom, we're like, oh, I love those things about Jesus. But as soon as you say Jesus is the one true way, that he's Lord and Savior of your life, and when Jesus talks about hell more than everyone else in the Bible, he talks about hell more than anyone else. We say, that's offensive, Jesus. I don't like that part of Jesus. But then if you go to a traditional culture, maybe to a Korean culture or a Middle Eastern culture, and you say, there couldn't be only one way. There couldn't be only one true belief. Oh, I don't believe in a hell. They would look at you strange and be offended and say, what are you talking about? In this culture, when you talk about radical grace or forgiving a shameful person or the lack of discipline or a penalty, they would think you're crazy. They would, they would say to you, where's your integrity? What do you mean that, they, that you can just be forgiven clean? Where is your integrity? Where is your character? Where is your discipline? Where is your family honor? And you would offend a different culture, right? So no matter where you stand on those, on those spectrums, Jesus offends. And that's why he even said to his closest friend, his cousin, John the Baptist, this is what Jesus said. John the Baptist was struggling in his faith. And in Matthew eleven six. He says, blessed is he who does not, who is not offended because of me. Jesus said, blessed are you, family, when you're not offended because of Jesus. When you don't understand, when you're hurt by doing the right things. In the moments, blessed are you when you trust me over circumstance and over outcomes. I'm going to say that. Blessed are you when you trust Jesus over circumstance and outcomes because you know in life when you follow Christ we, we might be taught in Sunday school just love Jesus and everything will go perfect that's not real life that's not real life but it says here blessed are you when you're struggling and you say God I'm struggling I trust you I trust you and it's not the circumstance it's not the outcome I'm, I trust you many of us struggle in this room with Jesus because he, we find them too harsh sometimes or too exclusive. We're like, Christianity is too exclusive. Maybe too primitive. It's too primitive. Even regressive in areas, right? You're like, that's Christianity. When Jesus is strong on sin or divorce or your money and your time and he demands lordship, we say, that's too much. Jesus, that's too harsh. How can we say there's only one way? What about other people, Jesus? Have you ever said that? I have. What do you mean by lordship? You want everything? What do you mean, Lord? You want me to call you Lord? You want everything from my life? And he's like, yeah, that's what I'm asking for. And when he, but for some of us, when he speaks about giving to the poor or the alien, which legitimately the word alien in the Bible means refugee. You guys know that? So when it says that you are a refugee, that give to the care for these immigrants and refugees. And when he says forgive limitlessly, we say, but what if I give their own drugs, God? They need to earn their own money so they can learn. It, uh, no more handouts, God. No more handouts. That's wrong. And if forgiving, that's careless. Someone has to take responsibility. But here's a question for all of us in this room. No matter where you lean, what side you lean. Why should your mindset, your cultural outlook, trump someone else's? Some things you love about Jesus, someone else hates. And the things you find regressive, someone finds progressive. And what we're really saying is what I think, my culture, my way is better than your way. You're an elitist. 
They're like, no, I'm not. Yeah, the way you think, if you think that's the only way, you, you, you think that you're better than everyone else in this world. And then they back, or the Asians are like, we're better than them. <laughs> but they're Asians, right? That's what they do. But you know what I mean? When you have a set mindset, and you're saying, this is the only way, this is what love looks like, then the other side would say, no, that's not what love looks like. That's the lack of honor. Let me tell you what love looks like. It looks like discipline. It looks like honor. And so we fight each other and we say, my way is better. And they're like, no, my way is better. And when we do that and we judge the world and we judge people according to our cultural outlook, you're an elitist. You're doing the same thing that they're doing to you. And, and, and it's crazy. Yet if Jesus is the Son of God, he will offend us. He has to because he's not from our culture or our kingdom. He's of the kingdom of God. He has a totally different worldview. And if he is who he says he is, the Son of God, risen from the dead for us to restore our relationship with God and reign forever as your king, offending will be normal. He'll offend your cultural norms. He'll offend your self-preservation. He'll offend your way of life. He'll offend your pride. If he's the son of God and you take him as he is, offended or not, he, he's either God or he's not. He's either God or you're God. That's it. And if he's not God, who cares? Why are you offended? Like, I'm offended. Why if he's not God? Do you know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just trying to talk to your brain for a little bit of where our offense comes from. It comes from our cultural narrative of how we view the world. And then, and then we think small of other people, and that's what, of, on the other side of the world, and that's what they're doing to us right back. Those liberals, those Americans, they think everyone deserves forgiveness. What about the honor? And then we're like, why can't you be like more loving? And they're like, taking care of the poor. They're like, they should take care of themselves. You know what I mean? So there's these two narratives that we can't see because we're in our culture. But if he's God, why are we even, if he's not God, why are we even offended? So then let's look at why people were offended in this story. And in the Mark 6 screen says, is, not the car, is this not the carpenter? This dude built my table 10 years ago. He works at Walmart as a host with me. I work with him, right? And then he says, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, are and are not his sisters with us, and they took offense at him. Number one, and if you're taking notes, I just want you to take this, take this in and put it in your phone. Number one, Jesus was too familiar. Too familiar. There is a danger in familiarity. I'm telling you. Husbands, wives, there is a danger in familiarity. Christians, there's a danger in being too familiar. This is what I mean. Have you ever had a bad day? And guess who gets the blunt of your bad day? Your family. It's crazy. You treat people that you don't even know better than the people who love you the most sometimes. Because you're too familiar. Think about that for a moment. The people that will stand by you. What you sometimes we treat our jobs better than the way we treat our family. This is crazy. Because all of us at some point will lose our jobs. But our family, that is the one thing in your life that you can have forever. That's right. Your kids, your family. But do not give your best or your best allegiance to those that are secondary. To strangers. But we do that. And that's a danger of familiarity. I do that to my, my kids. And I come home all angry because I had a bad day or something went wrong. And then, and then Candace 
when I'm when I'm really upset, she just won't say anything. Then we'll then I'll be like, I know what she's thinking. I'm just like, oh, she's giving me the look. I don't know if you've been married long enough, you know the look. You're like, all right, I'm an idiot. Yes, like I, I flew off. You know, you know what you did, and we discuss it. She knows how to deal with me because I'm sometimes just emotional. That's 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 who I am, right? And it's, it's crazy. There's a danger in that. And this is true with Jesus. In the beginning, we were so graceful. We were so grateful for the grace of God, aren't we? When we understood that God saved us that day, when we felt the presence of God overwhelm us, we were full of joy. We couldn't wait for church. We couldn't wait for group. We couldn't wait to pray. We couldn't wait to read. We couldn't wait to sing and worship God. We didn't care. It was a joy filled with passion. But maybe today, we take it for granted. We got familiar. Jesus became routine. Worship became ritual. Bible became dry. And we started focusing on how I felt instead of honoring God with our lives. We said, God, how can you honor me? That's what happens in familiarity. In the beginning, you know how hard it was to chase Candace down? It was hard. It took a lot of risk and a lot of time. I would drive 12 hours overnight after work from 7 and wake up in, and drive all the way to Texas. In 7 o'clock in the morning, I would knock on her door and I'd say, hey, Candace. And this is what I would do. I would stalk her that hard. That's no, kidding. But you know what I mean? You would do anything for her. I would do anything for her just to, just to spend like six hours and then drive back home or eight hours and drive back home. You lost your stinking mind when you're in love. And that's what we do in the beginning. And that's how it was with our walk with God in the beginning. It was like limitless. It was just go. It was like full steam ahead. And that's how your love was. Don't let family, uh, being familiar take that away from understanding what you have in your life, guys. God deserves your passion. And so, when our hearts, be careful, family, when your heart fills with complaint instead of praise. And I'm just throwing it out there, because some of us, complaint starts to rise up instead of praise. When you begin to rationalize why it's okay not to gather together, to love, to give, to worship, to pray, to sacrifice, and these are the big words, treating the sacred as common. Sometimes we treat the sacred things in our life as common. It's a very dangerous place to be. And what God would tell you today is repent. And that means, that doesn't mean just feel bad about it. That means change, man. Think again. Turn it around. Work the spirit. Get your heart right. Be afraid for your soul. I'm just being honest. If you're not, if there's not a repentance in our heart, if we don't walk with repentance and in love with God, be afraid for your soul. For yourself. Maybe if you, you know, oh, I shouldn't go there. Oh, keep calm. No, I won't go there. All right. But be afraid for your soul. I'm just being honest. Be afraid for your soul. Because we walk a fine line when we are no longer chasing Christ. Soon we rationalize sin and then we pick and choose what we believe. Like following Jesus was like Legos and you get to build your own God. You get to build what he says. Be careful when it's too familiar. Number two, Jesus was too ordinary. This is hardcore too, how these people treated Jesus. He was too human. I know his family, they said. He can't be the son of God. He's too much like me. You're the son of Mary. Do you know what that means when they called him the son of Mary? 
I know we read this before. I don't know if you've been a Christian for a while. This shocked me as I'm studying this. This is a patriarchal, a father's lineage kind of society. If you're Jewish, you say you are Isaac of your father's name. You don't ever talk about the mother's name. Even if the father passed away, you were of your father's name, right? You have your father's last name, most of us in this room, right? So to call Mary, or to call Jesus the son of Mary, is saying, Jesus, we don't even know who your father is. Because when you and Joseph got married, two months later, you were born. We don't even know where your father is. So what they were really calling Jesus was a bastard. Like, it was that harsh. Think about that. Our Lord and Savior, they just bash him. And he doesn't turn around and be like, you're dead. You're dead. That's how it did. <laughs> you're gone. You with the mustache. Done. You know? But Jesus wasn't like that. Think about that remark. Dude, I was studying this. I began to weep this week. Now, maybe I was having an emotional day, but I was thinking, man, Jesus... You go through so much, and you still love us. You're crazy. Out of your mind. If that happened to me, I would freak out. I'd punch somebody, you know. But look at Jesus. He was too ordinary. Son of Mary. People found Jesus too ordinary. Salvation too simple. Faith in Jesus. Walking with Jesus. John, tell me what, to, what I need to do to be saved. Well, you can't do anything for salvation. It's been done. But you have to move in faith. Many of us struggle with this and we try to pay God back, right? I, what do I need to do? I need to do enough. Pray for hours. This is how we go after God. I need to pray more. I need to read the Bible more. I need to save the princess, slay the dragon. Then I feel like I earned it, Jesus. This ain't Mario Brothers. You know what I mean? You're not against Koopa. You, you need to accept your identity in Christ as sons and daughters. That is the first thing we must do. And until we accept what God says about us, we will go and ask the world and ask people what they say who we are. And I'm telling you, the world will crush you if you're looking for your identity in there. Find your identity first in Jesus Christ. And I love the ordinariness of salvation in Jesus. I'm not saying salvation is ordinary, but what he's asking of us. It levels the playing field. It means that anyone can be saved. From the greatest to the weakest, the smartest to the simple, from the powerful to the poor, we're all on the same level in the kingdom of God. Everyone a sinner, everyone lost, anyone, no one can earn it, right? And some of us are pride, we don't like that. It doesn't play into how we live, how our pride is, right? We say, what do I need to do? Jesus says it's done. Now kill your pride, believe in me, and dive into the life I have for you by faith led by the Spirit. And listen, we all struggle with God, His purpose, His plan, His word, His way. And Jesus told us this would be. But if you allow these things to keep you away from Jesus, He could not move in your life. Jesus could not move in this town, His own hometown, the people that He loved the most, the people that He grew up with. He could not heal. He could not restore. He could not do miracles. Because Jesus refuses to move in a place or a life without faith and honor. He refuses. Family, don't let your pride, offense, familiarity, ordinary keep God from moving in your life. Then we see Jesus sending out these disciples, these guys. And he gives them the same message. Astounding and offensive. Exclusive and inclusive all at the same time. Exclusive because Jesus was the only way. 
but inclusive because anyone can be saved. Poor, rich, Korean, black, common, privileged, simple, educated, the inclusiveness of Christianity brought a boom in the history of Christianity. It boomed after Jesus was risen from the dead and after the resurrection, Christianity blew up and it literally separated history in half from BC to AD. Just think about that in your mind. It blew up. Yet, because of the exclusivity of Christianity, it brought heavy persecution. Now, what about us today? How does this apply to me, right? John, what, how does this apply to me? In your faith and walk with God, I want to say this. If you're never offensive as you follow Jesus and you trust Him you're in your beliefs and actions, you're probably not living the full message of Jesus. If you're never offensive, you're like, what? You want me to be offensive? No. I want you to be like Jesus. And if it causes offense, then you still have to stand with Jesus. That's, that's what it's saying. The full message. Because the cross is the strongest thing that people have to overcome. Right? It calls for your submission, your obedience, your life, God's way, God's heart fully. To turn from what he calls sin, not to just ask for forgiveness. We think the, what Jesus is asking, just say, for, I'm, just say, God, forgive me, and then, boom, magic. No, he's saying, I want you to turn from sin, not live in it and just ask for forgiveness. That doesn't make sense. You wouldn't do it as a parent. Why would I do it even as a God? But if you are constantly offensive, you're probably a jerk. I could think of a lot of other words to say. But some Christians are just constantly offensive and saying, I'm just doing the Lord's work. I'm like, no, you're just a jerk, dude. You can't be constantly offensive, right? You're majoring in the minors. You don't need to be right all the time. Pride is our biggest blind spot. Family, this is huge. Grace without truth is not grace. And truth without grace is not truth. I'm going to say that again. Grace without truth is not grace, and truth without grace is not truth. If you give grace without truth and you do not tell people about their brokenness, about sin, about hell, what are people actually being saved from? Think about that. But if all you give is truth without grace, rules and laws only, perfection over progress, what happens when you mess up, when you fall short? The guilt will crush you. It'll crush you. It'll make you give up when you mess up one time or you feel like you have to fake it because everyone else has it together and I told them this is the way to do it. If you break from it, you're the worst. So then you have to fake your life through. And that is dead. Stop it. Truth without grace is not truth. Grace without truth is not Grace. We need both grace and truth. Acceptance and offense. Mercy and discipline. Inclusiveness and exclusiveness. Verse 7 says this, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. Gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for the journey. I love this. Because Jesus is like, Alright, now I'm going to send you out. Alright. I, I, I love taking stuff. I don't know if you have a lot of gear. I, 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 when I go backpacking, I bring too much stuff. And, and, and do you, anyone who travels a lot, do you bring too much stuff? You ever travel with your wife that brings too much stuff? Like my wife, she's not like that. But we go with friends. Like, like we, when we go with who, who brings too much stuff? Don't say, won't call them out. That's horrible. All right, no, it's Gina. No, it's kidding. Um, no, there's people that just bring so much stuff when you go out, and you're like, and Jesus is like, bring nothing, because I want to show you I got you. 
When I send you out into this world, I want to show you, you don't need anything extra. I got you. I need you to trust me in the little things. And he says, I gave them authority over unclean spirits. Charge them to take nothing for this journey. Verse 11, we're going to jump. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake it off. That's what it says. Shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And what that means is like, I told you what I needed to tell you. I did what I needed to do. That's all I could do. Now it's on you. And it's not out of pride. It's saying, I love you so much, but at some point, you got to live it. You got to accept it. And today, just as Jesus sent out the disciples, he's sending us out into our world. You are being sent out. You are not just Christians in this, in this, in this like, whatever, this bubble, right? In this room, in this cafetorium. You're not Christians in here. This is not doomsday prepping, folks, right? We're not just like, all right. We're Christians here. All right, we're going to hide out there. No, you're not doomsday prepping. You need to step out. And you don't need to have gone through Bible college or 10-year Christian like experience or memorize the book of Mark. God gives us revelation that we need for the moment. That, but what I mean is that God will show us just a little bit. And when God shows us a little bit, just take a little step. You don't need to make great leaps sometimes. Sometimes we just need to make little steps. Little steps. Little steps, man. He'll show you in your marriage. Little steps. He'll show you at your workplace. Little steps. And then when you look back a couple months from now or one year from now, you'll see, wow, God, you've taken me a long way. But we have to move by faith little by little by little. If, you're a, if, you're a, you're, if you need people in your life, make one phone call a week and say, you know what? Let's hang out. I know you don't want to do it. Everything tells you not to do it. But you're called into the church body, guys. We're a, this is not a church program. It's a church family. We're better together. We're empowered together, guys. Move in that way. And it says, and when God gives us revelation, you've got to trust Him. Take a, a step of faith with grace and truth. The power of the message of the cross is this. Like, on the cross, Jesus faced the greatest offense and rejection. So these people rejected him, but Jesus was rejected so that you could be loved and accepted and restored, forgiven, risen into new life. The cross should fill your heart to the brim. Listen, the core truth of Christianity is this, and we need to get this. I, need, I want this to ring out. Jesus died for his enemies. We go way beyond how we feel. We forgive. We tell the truth. We face rejection. So we can overcome offense, face our enemies, and still serve them, understanding Jesus, the cross, he died to serve the very ones who put him there. So when you face your next big thing, or you're, you're feeling offended right now in this room, or you're dealing with unforgiveness in this place, we've got to do what Taylor Swift told us to do. The prophet, Taylor, Taylor Swift. You've got to, prophetist, you've got to shake it off, man. You cannot live in that. It will overtake you. Offense will kill you. It is like pure poison. It is contagious. And, and, and if you are a mom or a dad, your offense will go into your children. It just, it, it just does. It does. And it goes all around you. Have you ever had a really bad manager at work? Right? And if you're a really bad manager, I apologize. I don't apologize. In your face. Right? 
But when you have one bad manager who leads a bunch of people and they are constantly offended, always looking out for themselves because if something happened in the past and they can't forget, they can't let go, the whole place really sucks to work at. It does. Because it's filled with poison. And everyone's trying to cut everyone else. And then at some point, everyone will quit. It happened. It happens. And if you're a manager and everyone quits on you, dude, be a Christian. Be a, be a better manager, folks. And don't always put it on them. Lead well. Lead as Christ. Lead. Shake it off. Shake off the offense. Shake off the anger. Shake off the rejection. Stop justifying sin. Look to the cross. Look to Jesus. And yes, you'll struggle. Your faith will be straight. You will be offended. But don't give up. Rather, shake it off. Get up and move forward. Your hope is greater than your problem. I'm telling you, your calling is greater than your problem. Your place where God has placed you is greater than what you're going through. I was reading, give God praise. And as we stand today, I was reading, please stand, I was reading one last thing. And it's Stephen Furtick, a pastor from North Carolina, he wrote this. What's coming against me is only training for where God is taking me. What, what you're going through right now is only training for where God wants to take you. I'm telling you, what you're going through is so that you could be a powerhouse to someone else. Some of you in this room, you guys have been abused, but, right, but today you've gotten over it and you're helping other people who have gone through abuse. Some of you guys have been in crazy marriages, and now you, and you're, the healing of that, you're helping other people through it. Don't be stuck in it so you can't help other people through it. You've got to get past it so you can help others past it. Be the family of God. If Jesus stood in rejection in his town and just started blasting people, man, where would we be today? You've got to move past it because the purpose that God has placed in your life is so much greater. You can't see it now. I know you can't see it now. But even look back in your life and see how far God has taken you. Don't stop the momentum of where God is moving you. Don't stop in your own like rotting inside. Let God heal your heart. Your identity is found in Christ from the cross where he was rejected. So you are accepted. Today, if you're in Jesus, you are 100% accepted. If you are in Jesus Christ, you cannot be more righteous than, you've, uh, than you are right now. I'm telling you, you can't be more clean than you are right now. But you've got to accept it. You've got to move by faith and live it like you are. And then you are. That's how faith works. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, be with us today, God. There's a lot of us dealing with rejection, and I'm sure I offended people, but I, I pray that your word offends so it can liberate, God. Your, your word irks us so that it can show us the places in our lives, God, that you need to heal, God, that you need to overtake. If you're in here and your identity is all jacked up and you're looking for identity from this world and you're like, that's exactly what I do. You're looking for your purpose from everyone else and not from God. If that's you, just raise your hand. And I just want to say to you, your hands raised, you are accepted and you are loved by God. You are forgiven. Move in that acceptance, guys. Accept it, grip onto it, and shut everyone else out or you're going to be living on someone else's rejection on their own offense. And if we are dealing with offense in this room today, you gotta shake it off, guys. You do. 
your rejection. You've got to recoup. Look to the cross. The power is looking to the ultimate rejection to find your acceptance. Heavenly Father, we look to the cross. That's the power, God. When I think about the cross and what you've done for me and for these people in this room, God, I pray it moves us to tears, God. It moves us emotionally to think of where you've taken us and how much blessing you've put in our lives, Lord God, that we can always reach out to our Father and say we love you and you we are loved like sons and daughters. We find our identity very first as children of God. And I pray let that empower us to face rejection and offense from here on. Lord God, do a miracle in this room so that we can be the miracle of Jesus Christ in this city. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. If you need prayer today, I can pray for you up here. But I pray, go and be the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. We are not offended. Give God praise. God bless you. Thank you. And then get to know each other. If you feel lonely, get into a group. That's it. Get into a group. No excuses. Go. Just do it. Go. God bless you. We just want to let you know, too, there's a sign-up sheet outside, and Christina will be out of there. Um, the Vargas's are our marriage pastors, and we're having a marriage conference on February 10th and 11th. If you want more information, it's on our website, and there's a table out there, and uh, you won't regret going investing in your marriage. And if you want to get into the growth track, just growing in uh, your purpose and being a part of this church and uh, taking part in that, it's also out there. Discover your purpose and be a part of the family. God bless you.